You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore. And Jackson, what a game. Uh, Basically came down to the last few seconds and uh, didn't really come out to the outcome that the Bulldog fans were hoping for. But nonetheless, exciting game, right, Jackson? Yeah, uh, I mean, that was uh, the first game in Valley Children's Stadium slash Bulldog Stadium for a decade that had a betting line of under three points. And boy, did it live up to it. Um, I mean, it was as close as it could be. came down to the very last play. Uh, Fresno State definitely comes out of that game with more what-ifs. There were more left on the table by the Bulldogs than the Beavers, but Uh, Oregon State did pull together two scoring drives in the last couple of minutes and pulled off that win. Um, So there's, uh, I think if you're Fresno State, uh, as gut-wrenching as that game was, there's some positives you can take away from it. You can uh, go into USC, as we learned from Jake Hayner on Monday, kind of feeling like you got nothing to lose. They feel like they've got no pressure. They're excited to play a top-10 team, and uh, it sounds like they've kind of gotten over it. more than upset uh, it sounds like they're a little angry that <laughs> they let that one go that they know they had a couple of opportunities in the red zone and uh, with special teams that could have put them over the top and uh, they want to go into usc and, and put up a fight so um, it was definitely a heartbreaker there's still a lot for fresno state to accomplish this season though absolutely there's a lot of uh uh, you know, there's a lot of questions, of, of course, about that game uh, that uh, the Bulldogs had. Uh, you know, you know, what if they would have let uh, Oregon State kick that field goal instead of taking the timeout, even though, like Coach Tedford said, they didn't have the right personnel uh, on the field. Why not let them kick that field goal and uh, and take it into overtime instead of letting them try and, and go for the win? Jackson, you 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 kind of uh got the same thought as to why not just let let them kick it there at that point yeah i mean definitely in hindsight i, I wish that would have been the way that i went down um in the post-game press conference which just to, to throw this out there the barkboard staff asked about 90 plus percent of the questions for that so <laughs> it was more like a one-on-one with barkboard for with coach tedford and the caner after the game and uh, coach tedford did say that he wasn't trying to ice the kicker. He knew it was such a short kick that it wasn't going to make a difference if he called timeout. But what Coach Tedford was thinking was, you know, he's so detail-oriented. We know about how in the preseason or even on game day, they have everything timed out by the minute of where they're going to be when they're on the field for warm-ups and everything. I mean, they've got all the details down. And they wanted to make sure they were fully covered for that field goal, whether it be not icing their kicker, but potentially having a block unit out. The Bulldogs also have John Baxter is a special teams coach. I'm sure he's got some special block packages put together. They wanted to get that group out there and perhaps make sure they were prepared for a fake if need be. Um, And so they called that timeout, and lo and behold, it ends up shooting themselves in the foot as Oregon State switches their mind and puts the offense out there. Um, And then I think Bulldogs called another timeout to get ready defensively, and the game... That uh, was probably more decided on other plays. I mean, Oregon State's very effective with that wildcat run with Jack Coletto, the big six foot three, two hundred and forty pound linebacker who punches in touchdowns for him. But uh, he himself pointed out the Bulldogs were not aligned right, and that um, I found it a little bit odd that the Bulldogs nickelback was the last line of defense rather than maybe a, a goal line package with some heavier players, some linebackers instead that might have been a little bigger and able to make that stop but um yeah it was was not handled well uh, in hindsight the past or for those last couple of plays but you can understand some of the reasoning behind what they did it wasn't dice the kicker it was for other reasons that they thought were valid and didn't work out for them 
Yeah. Hindsight, you know, uh, you let them kick the field goal, take it in overtime, and and take your chances there. Uh, but, you know, like you said, Tedford was more worried about having the right personnel in there and protecting a fake field goal uh, that he didn't realize if he just let them kick it, they would have been able to go into overtime at that point because they were committed to kicking at that point. Uh, but then ultimately made the decision to go for the win instead. And, uh, yeah, it, it, the rest is history at this point. Uh, but throughout that game, Jackson, it, it seemed like the Bulldogs, uh, you know, were stalling on a few possessions that could have easily helped them uh, get a little bit more separation. Uh, and, of course, the missed field goals were huge in this game, Jackson. It, you know, if we would if the Bulldogs would have nailed those field goals different story where we've been talking about something different today uh yes uh, i mean montano missed uh, the extra point was bad and he did miss two field goals he did also make four uh he he's relatively new in his college career and i mean four for six isn't a horrible showing especially when you consider one of them was a 50 plus yarder uh that one was wide not short by the way um I mean, uh, clearly, if he would have been 100%, uh, he would have, I mean, the Bulldogs would have won, essentially. Uh, but Montano, uh, so from what I'm told, six field goals attempts is a school record all time. I, I mean, that is a lot to ask out of a kicker, especially a, a younger one. Um, yeah, it, it's tough. Um, if he could have maybe gone five to six and made that extra point, it probably still went. In the Oregon City didn't they won by three, but they didn't have to kick an extra point because they uh, won in walk-off fashion. But uh, it could have been a difference maker for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, just just to have to put the kicker in that kind of a position where uh, had he made one of those, could have been a different outcome for the Bulldogs. It, it's tough, especially for an, a, a younger guy like that. It's uh, it's not going to be something that's going to be easy. And and of course, like you said, that that long field goal, uh, fifty plus yards. I was I was on the field. It had the distance, just not the accuracy. So, had he put that that one through the uprights, the momentum would have shifted in the Bulldogs' favor, and then it would have been very difficult for Oregon State to come back uh, after that one. But here we are. <laughs> it, it just did. The outcome did not work in the Bulldogs' favor. Uh, however, uh, Jake Hayner did look very well. Jackson, uh, are you in the same belief that he he really did take uh, take this game by by its horns? Um, you know, there was a few key plays that could have he could have done better, but for the most part, he was pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to complain about 360 passing yards. Um, the one touchdown is a, a disappointment just because, as mentioned, they kicked six field goals. That was uh, several red zone trips that could have ended up in, in touchdowns and usually do end up in touchdowns for the Bulldogs. It, it felt like the offense was a little bit slower tempo than what we're used to, and we saw some of that balance as well. Jordan Mims carried the ball 21 times. 122 yards, and he scored twice himself. Um, but it did feel like some of that passing game, the big plays that we were used to seeing last year, uh, some of those big scores uh, didn't feel quite as potent, and they really slowed down in the red zone. And again, uh, Montano missed two field goals, but if the offense turns six or one or two of those six field goals into touchdowns, uh, they, they don't have to worry too much about the kicker's performance at that point. So. Uh, red zone offense has been a big key in practice this week. They're trying to shore that up. And, um, yeah, it, it's that's one of those big what-ifs. Even though Hayner, I, I mean, he played solid. Um, and that's another thing as well. Maybe if they were a little more aggressive, uh, maybe the offense turns it over once or twice. That's a, a big part of the formula this season has been to balance things out and rein things in a little bit to cut down on the mistakes that shot the Bulldogs in the, their foot last season. Um, but it, it did kind of counter a little bit as in this game in terms of putting points on the board. They really stalled in the red zone, and we'll see. I, I think this USC matchup is one where they might have to let loose a little bit if they fall behind. This <laughs> Trojan team they're playing is scoring a ton of points, and so 
the Bulldogs might have to uh, pull off of the, the reins and, and let things fly a little bit more than they would like to against the Trojans. Yeah, they're definitely uh, they're gonna have to come out uh, firing a lot more uh, against USC. This is a, uh, a high powered offense that um, you know the Bulldogs are gonna have their work cut out for them to try and keep them behind, keep them in front of them. Um, but you know they they were, Bulldogs did a decent job of that against Oregon State. Uh, for the most part, were able to keep the plays in front of them. Uh, there were a couple of uh, long um, plays that, especially towards the end, that really did the Bulldogs in. Um, but uh, I think that was just a couple of missed assignments, Jackson, if I remember correctly, on that play where the tight end was just basically wide open. Uh, it, it looked like it was a broken assignment. Yeah, you know, the, the defense played pretty solid for about uh 40 minutes <laughs> and then things didn't go so hot after that uh they gave up just the one big touchdown run a 36 yarder in the second quarter other than that and they were looking solid the bulldogs had a 23 14 lead and then all of a sudden the beavers go on that quick five play 77 yard drive and then they scored twice in the last two minutes of the game uh 100 and uh, 39 yards between 12 plays on those two drives i mean that is that's unacceptable uh, to to give up that much that quick, especially late in the game. Um, so uh, it's kind of a mixed bag by the defense. I mean, they they played pretty sound for a while, and they weren't giving up the big plays, and then it got away from them. And whether that's the heat of the game or when teams start speeding things up and maybe a little more of a preventable defense type of deal late in the game, whatever it was, it, it did not work out for the dogs. And... Um, I don't think the defense is a major concern for most of the season, but there were some things that they definitely need to, to fix up if they're going to uh, have a big run at some point this year, whether it starts with USC or starts right after that. Yeah, things are definitely going to have to uh, have to be looked at, especially in this upcoming game against USC. It is going to challenge them a little bit, especially when you're on the road uh, against a team like this. Even though uh, the, I expect a huge crowd from the Bulldog faithful heading over to the Coliseum, um, it is still going to be a tough one for the Bulldogs to to overcome. Now, the last time they were there, it it, it seemed like it was up for grabs for the Bulldogs. Do you get that same sense this time, Jackson? Yeah. I mean, I, I did a poll on the, the bark board to see if any fans were uh, changing their mind after the Oregon State game. and. I don't think there's been one commenter that said they're not going anymore that already had plans. So should be uh, an amped up red wave making the trip and uh, might be just a little bit smaller than had they beaten Oregon State. But uh, I think for the most part, the, the dedicated fans that are planning on showing up in big numbers and being loud are all going to be there. And uh, that should only give the Bulldogs some extra fuel. We've seen how it, it's played a big part against UCLA at the Rose Bowl two times recently. Uh, even before that as well. And in 2019 at the Coliseum, there, there was definitely a solid red wave showing. They didn't get the job done that game, but it sure didn't hurt. Yeah, and uh, and that's going to be another one of those things where the Bulldog faithful is going to is going to make a dent uh, and make their their presence felt uh, in the Coliseum when they face the the Trojans. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun atmosphere to watch. Uh, so if you're if you're on the fence about this one, you probably want to see if you can still get a ticket. Uh, but <laughs> it's uh, coming up this Saturday. But before we start digging into that USC game, Jackson, um, while we were out there at the the Oregon State game, uh, Fresno State did have a huge recruiting class uh, out on the field, uh, you know, taking it all in and what a game for, for these recruits to kind of, to kind of watch and see what the Bulldogs were all about. I mean, for majority of that game up until the last three seconds, uh, it was going in the Bulldogs favor. Uh, and then, uh, they let it slip right at the end enough for a lot of these recruits to, to kind of make their decision, Jackson. Yeah. Let me, uh, start by saying this. Uh, I talked to a lot of recruits in last year's cycle uh, who talked about how crazy it was being at, at the Fresno State game at, at then Bulldog Stadium, about how the crowd was sold out and how the atmosphere was crazy. 
And I, a lot of times I'd ask, you know, you're, you're talking about that Boise State game, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that was the one. I'm thinking, you know, that that's a horrible memory for a lot of Bulldog fans and an embarrassment <laughs> by <laughs> the antics. Yep. But those recruits loved that game and how packed the crowd was. And so if those recruits loved that last year, I imagine these recruits are going to be just ecstatic about what they saw against Oregon State. Uh, the crowd was loud. It was well-behaved. <laughs> I didn't see any any issues going on this time around. I mean, it was a heck of a game. Went down to the last second. Uh, aside for a win, I mean, the Bulldogs got about everything they could ask for for a big group of recruits. Uh, to add on top of that, we've confirmed close to 50 names of recruits. Uh, that's the kind of thing you're only going to find on, on Barkboard VIP. So if you want to see which recruits were there and the bigger names that were in the attendance for that, uh, just head to barkboard.com and look for our insider game notes story, uh, or you can go on the insider message board and uh, find uh, the, the post there as well. And if you're not a member, uh, it's only a dollar to join for your first month. You can check things out. And this is a heck of a week to do it. We've got a lot of stuff coming. Uh, both football and recruiting wise as the Bulldogs gear up for USC. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite a turnout as far as the recruits were concerned. I mean, uh, no no matter which direction I turned, I was running into one uh, and uh and it just seems like there was a great uh a great feel about it. Uh just just from watching and and experiencing what some of these recruits were were looking at. You know, some some are familiar names. You know, you've got you've got the the local players who who are are looking at it, and of course, uh, you know, uh, Mandel, who's already committed to Fresno State, was there as well, taking it all in, and it, it just seems like it kind of helps further uh, solidify some of the uh, what some of these recruits are thinking about Fresno State, right, Jackson? Yeah, it sure does. And the Bulldogs this week, they picked up a, a commitment from San Joaquin Memorial star Brandon Ramirez, who was not at that game, but he was at the game before that against Cal Poly. And even he cited that as a big reason by why he wanted to commit. He saw the crowd of 36,000 for a, an FCS game on a Thursday, and that atmosphere made him want to be a Bulldog. He was already leaning towards picking his hometown team, but that kind of put it over the top for him. So uh, to have a, a game like Fresno State had against Oregon State only uh, cranks that up a couple of notches. And as you mentioned, a lot of local players there, big group from Buchanan, from Clovis West, from Sunnyside, a lot of these schools where the talent has kind of clustered. A lot of those guys come together to these games that, that they're invited to, so that's cool to see. Uh, they also brought in a lot of recruits from up and down uh, Northern and Southern California too. And these are guys that probably have no... Uh, background or prior knowledge to Fresno State, and this is their first impression as a sold-out stadium uh, in, a, in a game like that against a Pac-12 opponent. Um, that, that should be a big win for the Dogs as far as recruiting is concerned. Yeah, most definitely, and especially now heading into this uh, upcoming USC game, uh, you're, you can only imagine that a lot of these uh, a, a lot of these guys are going to be watching that game and seeing what the Bulldogs can do. And as you can hear, my dog in the background is also excited about what's going on here. So uh, you know, bear with me. I, I I've tried to get him to to stop, but yeah, <laughs> he's going to be a part of this show this week. Um, but you know. With all the recruits that's happening right now, uh, with all of the recruits visiting right now, Jackson, and a lot of it seems like there's a lot of local talent that is very interested in, in Fresno State, and that's a good thing for the Bulldogs now, right? Yeah, absolutely, especially when you consider, you know, there was a time with the COVID year where I think probably Fresno and the greater Central California area more than any in the state really you see guys break out whether it's their junior season they get their name on the map with the big year even some guys in their senior season like Pat Armello he was committed to UC Davis I believe um or, or Cal Poly no, it was Cal Poly excuse me before his senior season he puts in about eight or nine good games and now all of a sudden Fresno State wants him to stay home and be a Bulldog and there's I think in the Valley more than anywhere else players depend on that and so when you have just this weird stretch with COVID where players were not getting that opportunity. Uh, there were not as many prospects coming from the central Valley, but what we have learned is that the sophomores, freshmen, eighth graders, seventh graders during those years, I mean, they have uh, 
really put in the work and they've churned out a lot of talent that's now getting recognized right now. I mean, there's already three local commits for the 2023 class and there's a lot of talented 2024 and 2025 players in the Valley. Some of them already have offers. A couple of them have those Fresno State offers already. And uh, a lot of them are, are showing up to these games. And so uh, it's looking like, especially with Coach Tedford here, another thing Brandon Ramirez cited about coming to Fresno State, uh, the Bulldogs are in good position to, to keep some of these guys home. Yeah, that's definitely going to be something uh, to keep an eye on. There's a, a lot of, uh, you know, a, I've run into them a couple of times at the high school games where there's uh, Fresno State coaches already taking some of this in. So uh, definitely a lot of local talent on the Bulldogs' radar, uh, and they're going to be working hard to try and keep some of that talent here at home um, while supplementing with some of these uh, players from all over the state. So it's going to be it's going to be uh, interesting to see just how the recruiting develops this upcoming uh, season. Now uh, let's switch gears and head over into that USC game now, Jackson, where Fresno State takes on the the Trojans and where are they ranked right now? Because I've kind of lost track. Yeah, in the AP poll, the Trojans moved up to number seven this week. Uh, they have moved up quite a bit already. They started off at 12, I believe, in the AP poll and uh, just inside the top 15 in the coaches poll. And with some of the big upsets that happened around college football paired with their pretty dominant win over Stanford. Uh, the Trojans are already up to number seven. It's been all preseason wondering if they were going to be a legit top 15 team or not. And the consensus now is that they are not just a top 15 team, they're a top 10 team. And uh, the Bulldogs don't get too many shots at top 10 teams. So this is the first time since 2017. And uh, boy, how different is this matchup? Thinking the Bulldogs are going to be able to compete compared to going to Alabama and Washington in Coach Tedford's first year. Uh, about five seasons ago. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. It should be a, a fun atmosphere. Uh, I, I'm thinking it's going to be similar to that of when uh, Fresno State took on UCLA last year, that that, that place was rocking with Bulldog fans. I, I'm expecting the same kind of a turnout and the same kind of uh, atmosphere again. Uh, but uh, taking on a top 10 USC team is no simple task, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Uh, I mean, we can remember back to those days where Reggie Bush uh, was there and Fresno State nearly did make something happen there, something special, uh, even with that Reggie Bush team, but then he took over that game, Jackson. And uh, I'm, you've got to think, that there's a lot of that in, in the back of people's minds still. Yeah, especially with this matchup where, you know, really if you look at a lot of positions, it doesn't seem to be that huge of a disparity. I mean, USC's defense is not thought to be the, the, a top 10 type of defense by any means. Uh, their old line even, I mean, is, is probably going to be one of the better ones, if not the best that Fresno State sees all season. But this is not like some other games where Fresno State has gone, even to Oregon. When I mean, you talk about Kayvon Thibodeau, just being, he only played about 10 minutes of that game, and he was absolute chaos for the Bulldogs trying to stop that guy. Uh, there's not a lot of those kinds of players in the trenches where Fresno State usually struggles to recruit compared to having the quarterbacks and receivers like the Bulldogs always seem to have when, when they're good. So then you look at just the quarterbacks and receivers that USC has, and that's where you have trouble. I mean, you've got probably the best sophomore in the nation back there, quarterback Caleb Williams. You've got the Blitnikoff winner in Jordan Addison, who transferred from Pittsburgh, and Williams transferring from Oklahoma. You've got a bunch of other big-time receivers uh, as well that have transferred in. And I mean, the, the talent at quarterback, running back, and receiver is definitely a number seven type of football team. I think the rest of the way, the rest of the matchups are, aren't going to be overly um, daunting for Fresno State, but you could have those skill players, the guys with the ball in their hands, make some special plays and you know, be kind of the difference makers of Fresno State getting the upset or not. Yeah, whether or not they're going to let uh, some of these guys uh, go do their thing and uh, unleash them, that's going to be a different story because they're, they're probably going to be trying to spread the ball around as much as possible, give USC as many looks as possible, uh, and, and in the hopes that uh, one of their star players 
will break out enough to to uh, you know keep them in this game or run away with it, if at all possible against USC. And uh, I don't know, heavy dose of Remigio and Cropper in this uh, upcoming game, Jackson. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how the Bulldogs approach this one because I think if they air it out and they pass heavy and they get those receivers involved, uh, they can put up a whole lot of points. Um, you know, USC's defense did allow 28 to Stanford. Uh, they allowed only 14 in the first half, but man, the the Cardinal turned it over twice inside the five yard line. They could have easily scored a lot more. Um, but the other part is if you're Fresno State and you're worried about your defense being able to contain the Trojans, uh, what better way to stop USC's offense than to keep your own offense on the field, not let the Trojans have the ball? Uh, so this might be a rare game where Fresno State may also try to play time of possession, might try to play ball control, might try to extend those drives and be even slower in hopes of uh, that plan executing. We've seen... Uh, it's been a while now, but Pat Hill took his team to Cincinnati. They were a, a top 10 team that year. And the Bulldogs held the ball for 45 minutes and still came up just a, a score short of getting that upset. But uh, that kind of shows you how you can neutralize some of the weapons uh, on the opposing team. So uh, I do think Fresno State may go that route early, but if they fall behind, that's not a, a strategy that's going to work. So I think at some point in this game, the Bulldogs are going to have to play some catch up, some hurry up some up tempo uh, trying to put points on the board uh, quickly and I think they're going to be successful with that I think they have good matchups and I think the Bulldogs are going to score a lot in this game as long as it it starts to get a little loose and spread out a little bit and um, I don't think the I don't think the Bulldogs are going to have a whole lot of trouble putting up points it's just a matter of putting up as many points as USC's offense Uh, the over under right now is over 70 uh, that's their over/under is the highest in the college football schedule right now, and it's for good reason. I think uh, both offenses are, are going to light it up in this one. Yeah, it's going to be one of those uh, where it could very well turn into a, a shootout. And uh, if any indication of last week where Fresno State uh, switched gears and went into the hur- hurry-up offense and and uh, and just started to kind of move the tempo along that's when the Bulldogs were more successful. So you got to think they got to use a little more of that where they can kind of limit uh, how many substitutions are being made by the by the home team and, and kind of help neutralize them uh, getting substitutes in. It could work in the favor of the Bulldogs if they could come up with a game plan where uh, they just move the ball along in a, a no-huddle offense or a hurry-up offense or you know just keep going quickly. Uh, I think it, it'll keep USC a little off balance, uh, don't you think, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, we've seen when the Bulldogs now, two games are in that spot between UCLA and Oregon State. Uh, they've executed perfectly. Um, you know, it's a little tougher to sustain throughout a whole game. Um, we'll see if, if they can. Again, it's uh, two different spectrums there where if they want to control the clock, they're not going to have the luxury of speeding things up, but if it's going to be a shootout and they buy into that thing then uh, they can definitely try to match USC blow for blow and, and try to air the thing out and uh, see it. I mean I, again I don't think USC is going to have a whole lot of luck stopping the Bulldogs if they're executing like that. My biggest concern right now is just can they finish off those drives because uh, as we saw last week six field goals I mean you can't send out your kicker more than a couple of times against the Trojans and expect to keep up absolutely not you don't want to put the that kicker in that position uh again a second week in a row of having to come up with points every time uh, you even get near uh their goal line uh but uh let's let's go into the breakup portion of the game uh jackson of fresno state's offense since you already hit upon that fresno state's offense taking on this usc defense how do they match up apples and oranges Jackson, <laughs> how, are, uh, how do they look against this USC defense? Yeah, um, some of the issues for the, the Trojans, it seems to just be, you know, they have a couple of star players on that side of the ball, um, but it's not. there are some holes perhaps. They've added transfers, just like on offense, guys like um, Shane Lee, who comes from 
Alabama, I mean, Eric Gentry from Arizona State. They've got, uh, you look around and, and you see guys that are big names that came in to help that defense. But, um, you know, the, the, the all fall camp, it's been a concern for them. And even against Stanford, you know, it wasn't the most dominant performance. But what they have done well is force takeaways, which that's kind of a, an issue for Fresno State, too. If they suddenly kind of revert to more of what they did last year, does that, lead Jake Hayner to make a couple of mistakes that take the Bulldogs out of the game. You don't want that to happen. As we've seen, the Bulldogs have been slower with their offense uh, in the first two games, but they haven't turned the ball over either. Uh, I think that balance and slower pace has um, taken some of the, the giveaways off of the table for Fresno State, and the old line uh, has not put Jake in too much trouble, um, probably less against Oregon State than against Cal Poly, ironically. And this USC defensive line is, doesn't seem like world beaters by any means. They'll be, again, very good, but not those big-time athletes that you kind of think of when you look at a USC or an Oregon type of game for the Bulldogs. So I do think generally the Bulldogs are going to be successful against this defense. And uh, while it's going to be a, a talented group, I'm not so certain they're going to be a whole lot better than what they just faced in Oregon State. I mean, and that was a 32-point game that, should have been a whole lot more for the Bulldogs if they finished off drives. Yeah, uh, the Bulldogs did, uh, it, you know, they did manage to move the ball but stalled a few times. So that is definitely something that they're going to have to to clean up against this USC team because the uh, if you're going into their their uh, red zone, you better come away with some points, uh, or you're gonna you're gonna be having a very long day against the USC. But on the flip side of the coin, now you've got USC's offense versus Fresno State's defense, and how do those two match up there? Yeah, that, that is the concern, for sure. Um, I mean, USC came out against Stanford. Uh, this is a Stanford team that I also cover. Uh, they've, got, they've got defensive backs over there at Stanford. They may have been pretty bad last year, but it wasn't because of DB play. They've got one cornerback, Caillou Blue Kelly, who was uh, thought to be an NFL draft pick this last year, decided to come back his senior year and get his degree at Stanford. Who could blame someone for that? But he was uh, the guy on the big 75-yard touchdown pass from Caleb Williams to Jordan Addison, 75-yarder. There's an NFL probably cornerback chasing Addison down the field. So uh, if it's hard to stop Addison with a guy like that, it's going to be real tough for the Bulldogs. Um, he had seven catches for 172 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Stanford's got two more guys in that secondary. One of them a transfer from Oklahoma uh, who they, they might be looking at NFL careers. And Caleb Williams had no trouble. He went 20 for 27, 340 yards and four touchdowns. Um, the Trojans also ran the ball pretty well. Uh, their starting running back, Travis Dye, a transfer from Oregon, he had 14 carries for 105 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he's a guy that the Bulldogs have already been familiar with when they were prepping for Oregon. Um, so I think probably the biggest thing for Fresno State, probably that Stanford didn't get done, is pressuring at the line of scrimmage. Uh, we'll see if the Bulldogs can, can get some pressure. If guys like David Perales and Isaiah Johnson, who have played a whole lot of football, they can be a factor on the edge. You know, We haven't seen a whole lot of sacks uh, so far this season, but uh, those guys are on paper should match up pretty well against USC. This is a an experienced old line, um, not an over-the-top talented group, but they've got a, probably more than any group on the team. These are guys that have been there for a long time, fifth and sixth-year seniors. Uh, even Andrew Voorhees from Kingsburg, who was a 2017 graduate, is still starting for a fifth season on that offensive line. Uh, so you've got a, a lot of guys like that who were pretty good recruits, but they're, they're just kind of overshadowed by the amount of talent they've got everywhere else. Um, but again, biggest issue is going to be how Fresno State's defensive backs can handle the talent at wide receiver. It's not just Jordan Addison. They also added Mario Williams, who was a big-time recruit for Oklahoma. He transferred in. Uh, Brendan Rice, the son of Jerry Rice, transferred from Colorado. Um, I mean, they've got quite a few options to throw to there. Uh, and on Fresno State's side, you know, cornerback play hasn't been a huge issue for Fresno State, but we have seen when they went to Oregon, they gave up a, a big one. When they went to UCLA, they gave up a big one. 
even last weekend against Oregon State, uh, the Beavers had a 42-yard pass. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, their tight end, Luke Musgrave, caught a 30-yard ball. Um, and, and so those are, you know, you don't want to get too many one-on-one matchups because it just seems like a matter of time before USC gets one, two, maybe three or four in this game. And it's going to be tough to keep up if, if they're launching these big touchdown passes. Uh, definitely this quarterback-receiver combo is as good as Fresno State has seen or will see, and it's going to be tough. Um, I, I did like what I saw from Cam Lockridge in the Oregon State game, aside from that penalty at the end of the game. Uh, he was very solid, and he gives the Bulldogs a little bit of an edge, and we'll see if maybe he can handle some of the talent that the Trojans are throwing at him. But uh, it would give the Bulldogs a lot of help if uh, Williams is not just sitting back there uh, doing whatever he wants and, and taking the time to throw. The other concern also is that Williams can run the ball too. Uh, he's not a high-volume runner per se, but he's athletic, and uh, if they design a couple for him, I mean, he's going to have some yards. The Bulldogs had a, a bit of trouble with Cal Poly's mobile quarterback, so there's a lot of red flags uh, for this matchup for the Dogs, and um, you know, hopefully they can contain, they can bend but not break, and that they can give their offense a chance to, to go win this one. Absolutely. This is going to be one of those where uh, they're <laughs> they're going to have to pick their opportunities and uh, pick their poison pretty much with this uh, uh, with this USC offense. They got to keep that wide receiver contained as much as possible. But by doing so, they're going to leave some uh, someone else open. Uh, and that could be a concern, right, Jackson? Yeah, as mentioned, they've got quite a few guys and you also don't want to take too many guys out of the box either because as much as Lincoln Riley is known as a head coach and as an offensive coordinator for throwing the ball and producing two Heisman quarterbacks at Oklahoma, uh, they ran the ball pretty well over there with the Sooners too. They had a long streak of 1,000-yard rushers. Uh, Die took, as mentioned, had a 100-yard game on just 14 touches last week for the Trojans. And so there, all the hype is going to be around the passing game, around those athletes, but they're going to want to run the ball too. Uh, they're not just going to be a home run hitting offense. Uh, they are going to look to be a balanced one and to run out of the shotgun between the tackles quite a bit too. And so, that, I mean, that kind of combination is what makes the the passing game so lethal is when you do have to worry about both. And, you know, you can't really double team a guy or you know put extra attention on a guy like Addison because there's so many weapons everywhere else. That's what makes things really tough. And, and, potentially create some uh, bad one-on-one matchups potentially. Yeah. I'm, I'm just hoping that I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be running up and down the field too much this game, <laughs> but, but it, you know, it, it could turn out to be a very fun one to watch. Um, you know, I do like my shootouts. I'm more of a fan of a shootout than I am of a defensive game. Those, those, uh, you know, seven to three games are really thrilling and exciting to me sometimes, but uh, I'd rather have a shootout any day. Um, But that being said, Jackson, it should be a very fun game to be at very fun game to, to watch uh, regardless of whatever outcome comes out of, out of this game. Hopefully all I can say is it's a close one uh, or a blowout in Fresno state's, favor um let's just be honest that way uh but for the most part it should be a very entertaining game to watch now this past week the mountain west did have uh some success uh meeting up against some of these big foes uh if you think about it um though you um san jose state did a nice job for the most part yeah, the Spartans went to SEC country. Um, they had a lead at halftime. Uh, they only lost by eight. And now uh, Auburn probably maybe not as much credit to the Tigers as you would think as an SEC team. They were picked last in the West, but nevertheless, they were big favorites against the Spartans, and that would have been a shocker if they got that win. Trojans also, or the Spartans also left some points on the board. Uh, they were in, inside the five a couple of times, and I believe they had to settle for some field goals there. So they could have, uh, as well, cashed in on some chances and maybe won that game. Um, yeah, but the 
Mountain West, they did get the win of Gipper Air Force against Colorado on TBS, the, the big network broadcast. I mean, the Falcons had no trouble against the Buffaloes, who also were not uh, the cream of the crop in terms of Power 5 teams. But uh, Air Force definitely making their case to be the new favorite in the Mountain Division. Uh, Boise State even didn't look all that bad against New Mexico. Their offense looks bad, but uh, ultimately they, they won 31-14. to and um, New Mexico, uh, at one point, they were averaging one yard per offensive play. Uh, so when you think about that blue turf in a couple of weeks, you're a lot more concerned about the Broncos' defense than the offense. Um, UNLV put up a fight against Cal, 20-14. to uh, The Rebels had a chance there late in the game to win that one too, and they couldn't pull together the, the final score. And... Um, San Diego State looked uh, a little more like themselves. They beat Idaho State 38-7. Uh, Wyoming, a slow start against an FCS school as well. Uh, they won 33-10 after a 9-0 halftime score. And then you've got the ugly games from the conference, which I think as a whole looks quite a bit worse than what we're used to seeing. Um, no surprise, Hawaii got blown out of Michigan 56-10, but... You look at Colorado State hosting Middle Tennessee, falling 27-0 to at halftime, ultimately losing 34-19. to That wasn't pretty. Uh, Nevada, who we've talked about as uh, potentially being the worst 3-0 team, had they beaten an FCS opponent, and they did not defeat an FCS opponent. They lost to Incarnate Word 55-41. to uh, That was a, an embarrassing loss for them, and uh, again, uh, that 2-0, and I was not convinced that they were very good, depending on or looking at the teams that they beat. But the real shocker of the week was Utah State losing 35-7 to to in-state FCS program Weber State. I mean, the defending Mountain West champions are, are looking pretty poor right now. So um, there was uh, a couple of good performances from the conference, but it feels like things are on the whole down. And should provide Fresno State a relatively easy path um, after they get past this USC game. A couple of teams you got to respect in the conference, but could, could be a chance to rack up some easy wins too. Yeah, this is going to be uh, interesting to watch. I mean, especially when you've got a couple of uh, a couple of uh, Mountain West teams going down. <laughs> uh, Utah State, big surprise, big surprise, especially with that lo- uh, lopsided score. Um, I don't know, Jackson, can they bounce back from something like that? Uh, it's kind of, kind of devastating, uh, when, uh, not only do you lose to a team like that, but you lose big, right, Jackson? Yeah. And cause I'm used to thinking about Utah state. They've a lot of the recent years, they've been the ones that have gone to BYU or Utah or host to those teams and put up a fight. I know they've given BYU, especially some troubles in recent seasons. They're not usually the favorite in an in-state matchup that they lose, which would require it being an FCS opponent like Weber State. Um, I think Utah State can't be any worse than a lot of the teams in the probably the bottom half of the conference, but uh, they don't get to see those teams for a while. They've got UNLV this weekend, and I think the Rebels are a lot better. They've got a trip to BYU, and they host Air Force. So um, they might be able to rack up some wins later in the year, but it could be a losing streak here for the Aggies if they don't bounce back against UNLV. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, it looks like it's going to be one of those years where the Mountain West is going to have a little bit of a shakeup. Um, right now we're still kind of trying to figure out who's good and who's bad. And, uh, well, last week it just made everything a lot more confusing. <laughs> uh, that's all I can say. Uh, but this upcoming week, um, you've got some key matchups. You've got Air Force against Wyoming on Friday. Um, you've got, let me see, what else is going to be a key matchup? You, uh, well, uh, some non-conference games. You've got uh, Colorado State taking on Washington State. Uh, probably another good marquee matchup is San Diego State taking on Utah and, and, of course, Fresno State, USC. Everything else is kind of a, a, a vanilla, kind of a matchup, Jackson. Uh, don't you agree? Yeah, you've got Hawaii's going to get an FCS game, and you'd like to see them at least win that one. That's been uh, I think they've been outscored by over 120-something points in three games. 
Uh, UNLV's got North Texas. That, that could be a sneaky good matchup. Uh, the Rebels are only favored by three. Uh, North Texas um, has been a lot better in recent years. They did get blown out by SMU, but they're still 2-1. and one. Coming into Vegas, uh, be another kind of a litmus test to see how good UNLV is. Um, Nevada is going to Iowa, and as bad as Nevada is, uh, Iowa's turned out scoring a lot of points. So uh, the over/under on that one is 39. <laughs> so it could be a little closer than you would think about Nevada going to Big Ten country. Um, New Mexico is hosting UTEP. Um, again, New Mexico. Uh, trying to see if they've got much of a pulse on that team or not. That's uh, a game that they are three-point underdogs at home. Even Boise State against uh, UT Martin out of Tennessee. I'm a little curious just to see uh, if the Broncos can look like Boise State teams of old that usually pour it on in these games or if it's going to be a little close for comfort. Uh, Martin's usually been a, a pretty solid FCS program in recent years. Um, but yeah, I'm really curious to see how that San Diego State Utah game comes out. Uh, I mean, the Aztecs beat the Utes last season. I don't think San. I mean, it didn't look like San Diego State was having that much turnover to where they would be that significantly worse as they were against Arizona. Um, both the Aztecs and the Utes are teams that are smash mouth, uh, you know, running based teams, and so I expect for them to put up a fight, even though they are 21 point underdogs going on the road. Um, but yeah, definitely Fresno State USC is the big game of the week. It's on the Big Fox Network, uh, Channel 26 locally. It's going to be aired all across the nation on basic cable or on network television, excuse me. And that's a very rare opportunity for Fresno State. So all eyes are on the dogs this week. Absolutely, and uh, it just gives the Bulldogs an uh, even more opportunity to go out and uh, and show what they can do. Uh, if they keep this one close, it, it definitely opens up some eyes uh, as the Bulldogs being the front runners for the Mountain West uh, because uh, um, right now, uh, let's face it, the Mountain West is a hot mess, Jackson. <laughs> There's no other better way of putting it other than it's just a hot mess and pretty much we are not going to know exactly what's there until they start getting into conference play. Uh, that's where I think I, I think is going to happen this year because it just does not seem like uh, things are going the Mountain West's way. The teams that they should be beating by a lot, they're keeping it close, and the teams that they should be uh, losing to, they're doing really good. So it's like I said, it's confusing to me right now. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're yeah, getting think, the same feeling. Yeah, I think about all we know right now is that. Fresno State should be the best team in the West, and Air Force looks like the best team in the mountain right now. The Falcons have a pretty easy non-conference schedule. They're not going to have a big test like even Oregon State or especially a USC. Uh, they're actually projected to be favored in every game right now. Um, so it seems like we're off to a Fresno State Air Force Conference Championship game while you also kind of keep in your back of your mind that Typically, Boise State and San Diego State are really good and um, both looked a lot better in week two than week one. And they could be bigger challenges than they look right now by the time those games come around. And you kind of keep an eye on San Jose State and UNLV, maybe Wyoming, who's two and one. Those are those teams that Fresno State should win in a game with that they play their A game. But if they make some mistakes, you know, those could be the kind of Hawaii opponents of last year that you know, you just don't want to have that thud your toe game and uh, against teams that are capable of taking advantage. And, and those look like the ones right now. Yeah. And, and once the Bulldogs get through this game of USC, they will have a buy uh, before they head over to Connecticut. Um, and it might come at the perfect time for the Bulldogs to kind of readjust things uh, after facing two very tough opponents. Uh, to be able to kind of get things settled back in and uh, get ready to make that run in the Mountain Mountain West Conference. Um, even though they have to take on Connecticut, Connecticut should not be a team that should put up much of a fight for the Bulldogs. But, you know, anything can happen this year. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what's going on there. Um, any other uh, things you want to cover, Jackson, while we still got you on? Yeah, we're just getting ready for this USC game. We've been out of practice all week, doing interviews, and we're having our 
feature stories up this week. We've got a, a mega update on practice coming with interviews with players and coaches, break down the matchup further with their quotes and their responses to what we asked them. Uh, we will have our Q&A with the USC site. The USC site on 24-7 Sports is one of the biggest, and, and their publisher, Ryan Abraham, is someone the Bulldog fans may be familiar with. He covered Fresno State for a few years as well with the Bark Board. And um, we'll also have our recruiting breakdown where we look at the two teams based off of the rosters they recruited. And these are some of the more interesting ones where you kind of see, okay, how, uh, how talented really are some of these players as recruits and how different are the rosters and uh, how much does it say about the Bulldogs if they are close or even win the game, looking at the disparity on recruiting rankings, also seeing which big recruits stand out or didn't, or walk-ons that have become big-time players. There's quite a few of them on defense for Fresno State right now. And we'll have a lot of free features, too. We'll have our predictions on the day of the game as well. And so a lot to, to keep you covered at barkboard.com. And again, if you're not a VIP subscriber yet, it's only a dollar for your first month. You get a lot of action here with this USC game and uh, try things out see if you like it. Absolutely. Uh, so if you haven't done so already, head over to the Barkboard because that's where everything is at for you to give you all the best coverage of Fresno State Athletics. Uh, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Uh, head over to our Facebook page and give it a like. Uh, we're over, I believe we're over 5,000 strong by now, Jackson. Uh, and, and growing. Uh, so if you haven't done so already, uh, give it a like and become a part of that community. And as always, head over to thebarkboard.com where we have both premium and free um, message boards and where you can get all of your latest information for Fresno State. But the premium portion is where you want to be as a lot of that information gets posted way before it becomes public. Uh, So head over there to get your Fresno State fix. That being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue our ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.